0: Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello everybody, welcome to the podcast Perception is Reality. It's your host David. Today, I am excited to be joined by my friend and former coworker Claire Salmon.
1: Yep, that's my real name, not an alias.
0: <laughs> that is a requirement of being on the show, Claire. There's no aliases. We're all real people. We have real thoughts, real opinions, and I personally believe that they matter.
1: Yes, that's what I've been told.
0: <laughs> this is going to be a fun one, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening. Um, so Claire and I work together. Uh, you're probably noticing a theme that I've been uh, enlisting my friends and former coworkers or current coworkers because they're the only people uh, that have volunteered. I've had one stranger so far, which was great, and I'm hoping to get a couple more. I've been reaching out to some authors of articles. We'll see. And if you're listening and you're a stranger, contact me. Let's be on the show. You have a voice, let's hear it. So Claire, um, just for the record, uh, Claire worked with me for a number of years, and then we basically swapped Claire for her husband, Andrew. <laughs> so, yes, now I work, so now I work with Andrew, uh, which is kind of funny, but that's a story for another day maybe. Maybe the listeners <laughs> don't deserve that right now. Uh, but Claire, what are we talking about today?
1: Today we're talking about bullying
0: bullying such such an,
1: a huge topic
0: and huge topic um, so let's see where should we start so let's let's first find out I did so everybody knows like on Facebook you'll see it if you follow me on Facebook personally or if you follow the perceptionist reality podcast Facebook page, I often ask for guests and I throw up topics and bullying is one of them that I'd like to talk about. And Claire responded to that. Um, So Claire, what's your experience with bullying?
1: I would say that um, probably like all people on this planet, I have um, been bullied and I have also, well, been accused of bullying I think that you'd be hard-pressed to find any human who wasn't the recipient of some uh, act of violence, whether it be emotional or physical, um, from another human being. I was homeschooled, so the opportunities for me to be bullied were um, very small, but uh, there were still opportunities nevertheless. I would say, um, I will start off with an example of my my first experience with being accused of bullying. I was uh, probably in my early teens, just around the time when girls are starting to um, dress a certain way, or that was my generation it was we started to be aware of how we were dressing probably around somewhere. Nine to twelve, and I had a friend um, who had another friend, and she introduced us. We were, of uh, you know, then a group of friends, a friend of threes, and I think that's a difficult situation to begin with, because you're always going to have within that group of three people, two that uh, maybe get along better than another pair or. Um, you know, pairs that are great on their own, and then you add that third person in, and now it's kind of this awkward <laughs> dynamic. So that's what we were. We were sort of this awkward dynamic altogether. Um, we had a particular game that we liked to play where we created our own superheroes, if you will, and our superheroes had names and special powers and uh, boyfriends and their own particular colors. I had, I would say that um, my, I was closer with my original friend than I was closer with, with her friend, or I would call her the new friend in this dynamic, because, and I'm sure she considered me the new friend in the dynamic as well. Um, there was probably a lot of um, talking behind people's backs. Uh, when you know the third friend wasn't present, and there probably wasn't a lot of love lost uh, between us. So at one point, um, this newer friend in the group um, wanted to change her superhero in just such a way that um, it infringed on my superhero's abilities and, if I'm not mistaken, color preference. And that, that was a problem because I'm a very decisive person. And if I say that I want the color red, I am not going to back down from that. You can, you can argue, you can reason it out, but I stick my claim on the color red. I wasn't going to change my mind about wanting the color red. And, um, you know, that was going to be a hill that I was going to die on. So I, I, and I did, I did die on that hill. Um, I don't remember all that transpired, but the, the the next moment in my memory, I'm on the phone with this girl's mother, and she is reading me the riot act, and she explained to me that I was a bully, and that was the first time in my life that I had heard that accusation, and at the time, I thought it was completely unjustified. How could I be a bully? Of course, you know, I had the color red first. She's not understanding this situation. Um, and as I, of course, I had to apologize profusely, so on and so forth, and that was probably the end of our, you know, somewhat three, <laughs> threesome of a friendship. But um, as I've gotten older, and thought about the situation, I realized that if I I I may have been a bully in the fact that I didn't I didn't love her the way that I could have. Or I wasn't I was not a good friend to her. So in my lack of love towards her, I probably could have my, my actions could have been bullying. And um, it al- as I've gotten older, I've also started to consider that gossip or back talk is or should be considered a form of bullying, even though the, the definition of bullying doesn't really enfold um, uh, violence done towards a person behind their back. But because the two things are born from the same landscape, and the landscape is a lack of love, um if you so so on the one hand, you have um, someone who lacks love towards another human being going after them and pushing them on the playground and and being outwardly violent and mean to them that 's considered bullying, and then on the other hand, you have more subtle people and adults who will commit violence against a human being by talking poorly about them behind their back um so there it is (laughs) those are my uh beginning thoughts on bullying
0: wow I I mean I can't picture you being a bully I can definitely 100% see you digging in and being like girl my color's red and (laughs) Like, you know, I'm, I'm getting like a Supreme, like Powerpuff kind of thing going on here. Oh, in my yes. Head. And I was, was Buttercup. Just because I, I was just, <laughs> I was going to actually call you Buttercup. but
1: Yes, uh, I'm Buttercup. You can I, call me Buttercup. I will respond.
0: Because <laughs> when you were talking, that's totally what I got in my head. I was like, okay, this is definitely a Powerpuff girl situation going on, <laughs> um, which is not a bad thing, but uh, I, I'm just saying. So as long as we're in agreement there, uh, but I can't see you, I mean, I definitely see you jigging your heels in, but I don't actually see you become like bull, like a bullying. That's like an abusive, an abusive relationship. Um, there's some sort of abuse, verbal, mental, mental, wow. There's a new word, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, mental or physical, which we're combining now, uh, for those of you cool enough to be listening to the podcast, mental and physical is now mentical. Um,
1: yes, I would say that any violence that I, uh, you know, I was a, a disciplined enough child, except for my, where my older sister was concerned, that I would keep my, you know, violence contained. Any any violence that I would wreak on another person would have to have been mentical.
0: <laughs> um, like did you did you actually say or do anything in your memories? Because memories are formed and this is one of the things that I like to discuss, which is why we're talking about perceptions reality. So I can get into some of the articles on memory, but did you do you remember saying or do anything? Like did you call her like a a, a a bitch? Did you? I mean, like, I can't imagine young Claire like even knowing what a swear word was. But um, well, unless you're I, talking to, your I sister.
1: didn't. I didn't know what most swear words were, and that was actually it turned out to be problematic for me later on in life. But um I, I don't. I, I, I'm making. The, I know this is this is way too convenient. I don't actually remember saying anything um, specifically cruel, and I'm sure that this is a a point at which you know, cue the internet and all these skeletons will come out of the closet and all these people will jump out with their vigilante justice and do me in with all the mean things that I've said in my life that they remember that I, I don't. Um, but I, I hold myself accountable because I, what I do remember is speaking poorly about her behind her back.
0: Uh, okay. And so, so in
1: that sense, I, I believe that I probably was guilty of the things that she accused me of
0: okay so now thank you for clarifying i now understand a little bit more and and i completely okay now i understand um it's interesting that how that was a long time ago um, yes and it still carries with you today now i I was i will admit that um i have bullied people or what would be considered as bullying, uh, for sure, because I was ruthlessly bullied as a child. Um, and looking back at that now, as growing up, David's looking back at younger David, and I'm like, well, you were kind of an ass. I mean, you know, and that was because I, 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 I was a jerk to other people, because I didn't One, I didn't know I was being a jerk. I was just lashing out because I was angry at how I was being treated. So if anybody that's listening that I bullied, I'm sorry. I didn't know what I was doing. I was lashing out because I was in pain and feeling bad. I'm not trying to excuse anything that I've done because, um, you know, I'm sure that it was, well, I know for a fact it was probably just all verbal and mostly just a, a bark like a dog barking. Um, with no real consequence, but, you know, words hurt. And I'm sure that I've hurt some people's feelings. The other thing I will say, personally speaking, is that because I have resting bitch face and I have... (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) And I have resting bitch tone, uh, which people don't understand, it's a thing. Like, I have one facial expression and one tone of voice, pretty much. Uh, Sometimes the things I say and the way I say them can be interpreted because the perception is you're using this tone, you've got this facial expression on, you know, and I'm incredibly dry and sarcastic and cynical that these things all wrap up into a perfect storm of me saying and hurting people's feelings when I really don't mean to. Uh, The other thing I believe in is honesty. So when somebody asks me if their pants make them look fat or if they are, uh, you know, ask a question like that, they're going to get the answer. And, I will tell them the truth and that can be a little harsh too. But if you're asking me that question, I don't feel like that's a bullying situation. You've asked me, I'm giving you an honest answer. So I feel like if that's a trap you're setting, then I'm, I'm, I will gladly walk into it, I guess. I don't know, or it's going to thing. I don't know. I forgot where I was going with that. But being homeschooled um, and one of the things when we first met, is that, um, and th- this probably you've not thought a lot about, but I think it's something that you said resonated with me, but I wanted to clarify. So knowing that you were homeschool when we first met, um, we had a very long conversation, and I was...
1: Are you talking about the interview or an actual per- conversation?
0: Perhaps, perhaps the interview. So I had... My perception of homeschooled individuals uh, was based on my nieces, Emily and Nicole. And they're, they're about your age. You might be a little bit older than them, I think. But those girls are incredibly smart. And I was excited at the opportunity to interview you, to have somebody with that intelligence coming on board. Um, and I had to, I wanted to make sure that like I was measuring you against my nieces. I, I know that that probably sounds wrong, but like you totally far exceeded it, my expectations. So I just need you Yay. to, I wasn't, I, I and, and I know that that probably, I get this feedback a lot when I interview people that, and I don't want people to think I'm, I'm a bully interviewer. I'm not. I get really <sighs> interested in the conversation and we had a good conversation and we, we segued a lot from the actual questions. Um, I don't know if you remember that or not. I always have a lot of follow-up questions and that's, I interview candidates the same way I kind of do this show. Is like I have, well, this show I do no prep, but I have a basic guideline for interview questions and it. Uh,
1: yes. Let me give your potential employees a little preview here. Um, it was the most mentally fatiguing interview in my entire life. In fact, as I was having PTSD flashbacks to that interview <laughs> leading up to this one. I was asking myself, why am I doing this to myself? Why would I subject myself willingly to another interview <laughs> from David? But um, I remember walking into the library, because that's where we had the interview, and I had my little notebook of, of uh, questions that I thought would probably be asked along with my answers. And you came in with a binder about five times thicker than anything I had with a, a host of essay type questions that I had never heard before and probably will never hear again. So, um, yes, I felt, I remember feeling on my toes at all times for like an hour.
0: Yeah, Which yeah. My interviews my interviews go for about an hour, but I do... Um, like to ask they're not necessarily tough questions but they definitely place people in a situation like live situations and it's very easy to smell like the bs meter can go very high uh, when you're asking questions like that because if people can't put themselves in an actual time place they can't really think about it and if they've been there and done that they can speak to it um you know once the question anxiety comes down they can really speak to it authoritatively and you you did that quite well um, so for for the record you were from my perception of the interview I, and i i appreciated your feedback and i'm bringing it up because like i i felt bad and i feel like i was a bully in a very a situation where there's not supposed to be a bully and 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 i hope no, that you,
1: you know. actually do your job very very well i think that more people should adopt your interview Approach, and they would probably end up with more employees that they're happier with. Um, I yes, I think you do your job very well. I do remember walking away from the interview and honestly having no idea where, like where I stood. And, and even though I think I may have asked that, you know, those those questions that your coach to ask, like, how did I do? Do you think I'll get a follow up interview? But I didn't. Yeah, but I didn't actually feel that i had done a good a good job in the interview you know it wasn't like yeah i slam dunked all these questions (laughs) well you know what i mean
0: you know lady gaga's poker face song was probably written about me but yes uh, it
1: probably was
0: but i don't like to get anybody's hopes up unjustifiably and i don't want them but i don't want them i don't want them to leave i guess what I want to make sure that there's proper expectations in it. and I don't want them to leave thinking cuz I know myself when you leave an interview and you think you've done really well and then that you find out no and then it's you know it's heartbreaking nobody wants to hear no we all hear it and it's okay it's part of life but nobody wants to hear it but I also don't want them to think that when they've left that they've done incredibly horrible and they didn't get it I really want to leave in a neutral space yes that's my goal was just ultimate neutrality. So hopefully, I David, that. you hit all your goals. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I wanted to bring that up because I know it was because uh, you've mentioned it more than once. So I figured I would publicly apologize <laughs> if I needed to. If that was very hard on you, I didn't mean it. To no, me. it was good. Okay, uh, but also, and also, we'll we'll go back to bullying. And I, this is kind of. Again, we're talking about perceptions, and I just wanted to make sure that your perception wasn't that that was a horrible process, or like you felt um, any negative. Which is good. I, I'm I'm getting the impression that you didn't feel any negative. Um, Correct. From that. So it was
1: it was brilliant, and it was eye opening.
0: Um, well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. And I totally just forgot what I was going to say, but that's all right. So I did want to just cover that because. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Thank you for giving me that moment of clarity there. But I like to go through that process because I personally, when somebody's on my team, I invest a lot of time and energy in in that person as an individual and as part of the team. And then as part of the bigger organization, it's important to me that it was important to me because adding you in and getting to learn your personality uh, that you succeed, and I'm just focusing on you, but I feel like the same thing when Andrew started, like focusing on him, his, he's got an individual personality that's separate from yours, but I needed him to succeed when he started, um, and the same with any of your other coworkers, and my perception is that I treat everybody differently, but fairly, um, which is difficult because people are people, nobody's the same, but everybody still needs to be fair and equitable but it was important for me bringing you on that you've got the attention that you needed to succeed, because if you succeed, then the team will succeed. And then if the team succeeds, we all succeed as an organization. So I really put a lot of time and effort up front to make sure that we do bring in the right people.
1: Yes. I, I can say having worked underneath you that I always felt, um, I always felt that you had uh, fair and and just rulings and that you always had um, my best interest at heart and you know at heart. so I, I thought maybe I, you know my my time underneath you wasn't as long as I would have wanted it to be, but um, uh, it's it's cool that I can have had left the position, never finding any circumstance that I can complain about as, as being unfair and, and uh, anybody who works underneath a manager can probably knows that instances abound where you can complain about upper management. Um, and I, this, I actually cannot think of any circumstance where I had a reason to complain about management. It was actually pretty cool.
0: Hmm. I, I definitely am shocked to hear that and appreciate that. And um, I, I do, I, I appreciate that. And, and I know that I, I'm, I talk about this a lot as being this coach mentor for life. And that's true. Like I feel, I have this thing that when I've invested so much time, I don't know what else to call it or the other thing. So I don't mean to diminish it. But like when somebody's worked for me, um, and we've succeeded together. That I'm invested in them post-employment, so I'm still involved in a lot of my previously, previously um, with my previous coworkers, whether they're peers or employees or uh, managers. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a weirdo that way. But let's get back to Boeing. So, Claire, can yes. you tell us? Can you tell us a little bit about how you were bullied? I'll, I'll I'll prime you a little bit here and and say that for me personally, um, I was bullied relentlessly for being fat. Um, oh my! Yeah, yeah, it was it was brutal. Um, and then the people that I thought were my friends growing up in the neighborhood constantly wanted to to fight me because I am, I have this tone that you hear people. Um, somebody said that I have good NPR voice. I'm like, well, thank you. It's just how I talk. Um, I just, I have one tone. This is pretty much it. And this, I've said this in a few podcasts in the past is that I don't like when people perceive my kindness for weakness. And that's exactly what I experienced growing up. Um, I'm the person with my daughter, Marissa, if there's a spider in the house, a snake, um now that we're in texas uh a snake is is a thing um in western new york snakes are really not things that you see unless you're really looking for them but if there's a mis- well mosquitoes i i try i I will try if it's near the door i will try to get it out otherwise that sucker's got to die i'm sorry I, it just they're they're yes. they're down here my my um mosquitoes have crossed the line they're just uh, but like what well, my point is Marissa and I, we will save everything that we can, a ladybug, uh, you know, whatever it is, it's getting saved and moved outside. I've been that way my whole life and people in my neighborhood perceived that as me being, um, feminine. Uh, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been called gay. So, I mean, these are things that, that I've experienced that have, you know, being a male, I don't know what your experience is, Claire, but being a male, sometimes these have ended up in actual fist fights because um, people just want to, to push you and see if they can uh, get, to a, get you to fight, I guess. I don't know. That was a common occurrence for me. Um, it got to the point where I didn't like to leave the house or I went to a bus stop. Uh, I, I would walk to a different bus stop and people always thought it was because I liked this one girl. Um, and it wasn't, we were friends uh, and she was beautiful, but I went to that bus stop because I could get on before all the bullies got on the bus and I could hide. Nice. (laughs) I didn't have to walk past them to get a seat or something. Yes. So these are some of my experiences, which I'll be happy to talk about with you if you want, but what are, have you had those experiences?
1: Well, um, uh, my brothers used to assert that I was fat, but, um, it's more just a family joke, I guess, so I'm, inocu- I'm, I've been inoculated to the F word, so, um, I, I, my experiences would be different, because I never got on a bus, I'm positive that if I had gotten on a bus, um, children would have found issue with the way that I dressed, which was in, whatever leftover clothing my mother could find and my haircut, which my mom would often cut my bangs, is pretty terrible. Um, I, I'm going to use an example from an aftercare, an after-school program that I uh, started working in when as soon as I was um, legally able to work. So I was about 15, 16, working at this afterschool program and these children were probably between the ages of four and 12. And the school was, it was a private school that either was in the city or bordered on the city. So there were many um, children that would have gone to a city school that were probably seeking refuge in this private school environment. So my job as this little 15, 16-year-old was to make sure that these children survived the aftercare experience. They stayed safe, that they didn't hurt each other and didn't get hurt by some outsider. I would usually play with the kids to pass the time, so I was very engaged in all of their games. And there was this one child in particular who had some pretty... um, Pretty bad behavioral issues. There's one in every bunch. At least he would bounce balls against people's faces and try to leave the premise. Um, you know, he was kind of a diva, and um, he there there probably wasn't a single day that passed where I didn't use his name and the word no in the same sentence. So at some point, he decided that I was was picking on him, and the reason being was that I was racist. He alerted his parents to the fact that I was racist, and the allegations made their way up the chain to the school principal. Eventually, I had to sit down with the program head and give an account of all of my actions, which was pretty mortifying as a, what, 16-year-old? So... Uh, My mom picked me up from work that day, and I didn't have my own car yet. I was pretty discouraged. I wanted to quit, but my mom encouraged me not to. Um, She told me what I should do instead is get out a list, uh, write down all the things that I wanted the child to apologize for. Um, That wasn't hard. I quickly filled up a list and she told me then to keep the list in my pocket. And going forward, I would not play with that child. I would ignore him or in my mom's words, ice him out. And sounds mean. I know my mom is ruthless. (laughs) So she told me I would keep the paper in my pocket and at whatever time he wanted to play with me, I would take the paper out and I would read to him the things that I needed an apology for. And I said, mom, that will never work. He doesn't like me. He doesn't want to play with me. And she said, just give it a try and see. And so I did. So for the next couple of days, it was business as usual. I was playing with the little four-year-olds and he would play with the older kids. And as time went on, he started to kind of Uh, Try to insert himself delicately into the games that I was playing. And I would quietly steer the game in a new direction that would exclude him. Or if I lost control of the game, I would take myself out of it, let them continue playing. Um, This went on until he, you know, tried harder and harder to insert himself in what I was doing. Then I took out my piece of paper and I said, If you'd like to play with me, you need to apologize for these. Particular things, and as I started reading them off, of course it was you crazy, and him getting angry and storming off. So then we went back to not talking, him playing with his friends, me playing with my little little friends. And but as time went on, he he I would be having so much fun that he couldn't ignore how much fun I was having with playing princes and tea party with these little four year olds, and he would quietly start to insert himself again. Into my games, so eventually, I worked down his resolve this way, and I did get an apology to everything on my list—a sincere, heartfelt apology. And uh, we, you know, I left the job eventually, but we were on good terms. Um, I thought it was—it was, it was very—it was very interesting that my mom, who never met the child, knew that. In his heart of hearts, what he wanted was attention, and he he was getting attention by shooting basketballs in people's faces and trying desperately to leave the property. Um, so, even though you know I perceived him to hate me, what all what he wanted from me was my attention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I, was, I was oh, the perversity of mankind.
0: Well, I think that from being an adult and looking into a lot of these things isn't that what bullies want in general is Mm -hmm. is um attention that's the only way they can get it yes um why do you think he pulled out the race card
1: well i i know i know that it's i would have been an extremely easy target Obviously, I'm this I'm this white chick. So, what else? What else could he hold over me that I I can't? But you you can't you can't even really negate that. Um, I'm I'm picking on him. I'm telling him no all the time. So naturally, I must be racist because he's not doing anything wrong.
0: Well, did he sincerely believe that, or did he? I guess what this is what I'm really asking is: Do you think that he really believed that you were racist? um or was that his most uh, i was just, uh, his sharpest weapon against you
1: um so he's he's um he's a fairly clever boy so it would be hard for me to say i would i would say he's he would be capable of realizing what what a sharp weapon he held um but he he would and he was also he, he he did tell lies. So he would also be capable in his deception of deceiving himself into thinking that I, I was actually racist. Well, could it be that she is racist? Um, you know, I, she's, always, she's always saying no to me. She's always punishing me. The other kids aren't getting punished. The other kids aren't shooting basketballs in other people's faces. But that's neither here nor there in his mind. Everything he's done is, is fine, justifiable. So, you know, what, I can't even say, because he wasn't the only African American boy in that school, um, the logic was a little bit flawed. Um, Had I been racist, you would have, you know, an adult could have looked at the situation and expected me to have more of a pattern of picking on or disciplining than the Black children. And because that didn't happen, um, he didn't, really have much of a leg to stand on in those allegations, um, so however, what, yes.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: Well, his, his parents wouldn't see it that way, <laughs> you know, what parent is, their child comes home and says that they have a racist teacher, what are, you know, they're going to get upset, they're not going to say, well, are there other black children getting picked on, you know, they're going to rally around their darling who they don't see for hours and hours on end because they're in school all day and then in aftercare. Anyways,
0: right. what were you going to well, say? Uh, well, no, that's a fair assessment is that any good parent should really, you know, believe their child because we teach them to talk to us about this stuff. So I understand that. Um, how? I, what I wanted to know is how, like, your, you were – as a 16-year-old, you were in front of the head of the program and the parents at the same time being questioned?
1: I was actually just ahead head of the program.
0: OK. And?
1: Fortunately, she knew what a handful this child was.
0: Well, any decent leader would know and have an idea yes. um, about that. Did you have any, so I don't want to dismiss this part of the the conversation. So they, the, she, it was a, she, I think you said, um, asked you a bunch of questions. She tried to ferret out whether you were being exclusionary or not. Yes. Okay. So after her examination of the situation, you were obviously, um, let back in the classroom. So you must have appeased her, uh, enough that you know okay Claire this is maybe not uh you being racist so you were allowed back in the classroom and then it was uh, addressed separately with the parents
1: i'm not sure yes i I've, you know having been a child i'm not sure who spoke to them i'm assuming that it was um, addressed with them possibly by the principal
0: Did you have any interactions with them after that incident?
1: No, because I'd actually never seen them before. Um, Okay. I'd I'd only ever seen them on the day when they popped their heads into the gymnasium and he pointed at me and they nodded and then they stormed off to, you know, talk to the head, the coordinator.
0: Right. Like any angry involved involved parent would, which, Mm -hmm. you know, and... A lot of kids nowadays, and uh, I don't care what uh, background the child has, a lot of parents aren't involved uh, because they can't be involved, not because they don't want to be involved, but because they can't be. Now, that's not to say that there's not parents that aren't involved because they don't want to be involved. Those people exist, too. So these were involved parents, uh, which we commend um, for caring enough to to go in and, and deal with the situation. Um no, just I just wanted to see the whole process through to understand because I'm trying I've committed to Vera that I would have more discussions about race. So this kind of crossed over into that for a second. Mm-hmm. And then I also was trying to think of like uh Vera I think it was Vera. She taught me about this term. Oh no, it was Mike and My friend Mike Aronson taught me about this term called sectionalism where different things intersect. Um so I was just trying to see if we had that, like, were you, how that happened, like, uh, and by happened, I mean, like, how it was after you described you you ended up having a decent relationship with this, with this uh, child for his, yes, for did. the rest of your term and the rest yes, of his term there, which is good. And shout out to mom for having the, uh, the idea. Sometimes parents, we do know stuff, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. <clears throat> sometimes our advice is meant. Comes from a good spot, but it's not exactly um, apropos to the moment, shall we say. But uh, in this case, um, mama mama knew best. So that was an instance um, where I feel like you, you, we started off like that was where you were bullied by this child because he was throwing balls at people, he was leaving, and then um, we led to the accusation being homeschooled, like you said, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to use a word, but I don't know how, what other word to use. So I don't mean it in any negative con- connotation.
1: Oh, just um, say the word.
0: But being homeschooled is, is, there's, it's almost like being sheltered a little bit, right?
1: That's what I've been told.
0: Well, you're right. So that's why I'm, I'm asking the right question is like, if, if I guess it's an okay word to use, I'm, I'm learning that you have to, words matter. Um, sometimes I feel like words matter too much uh, because innocence is still a thing in this world, believe it or not. But And by sheltered, I mean like you did not have exposure to the horrible, horrible, horrible world of riding a, a bus to school. And I will tell you that bad ah. things happen on buses yes. so you were sheltered from that
1: okay what i what i yes um and what i would say is that it was to my to my benefit as as a person i believe because i actually um you know went into my teens not thinking that anything was wrong with me it actually was probably around the time when i was getting exposed to these ruthless 11 year olds that, that they're asking questions why aren't your legs shaved? Why are you wearing that in particular? And um, at least at that point in my life, like I'm still a teenager, so I'm still uh, evolving into my own person, but I have a little bit more uh, tools in my arsenal than let's say a seven or eight-year-old would. Um, So I, I I didn't grow up constantly questioning what's wrong with me.
0: Oh, and I didn't mean to imply that anything was wrong with you. I mean, I don't think anything's wrong with my... my, uh,
1: Usually when people throw out the sheltered word, it's in a negative connotation. It's...
0: um, Well, that's why I was very cautious about using it, because I don't know how else to describe, because like, and I meant that as like, you weren't exposed to certain elements. Those of us that were publicly schooled were exposed to. Right. And that's the...
1: Oftentimes people are, you know, showing their battle wounds of bullying like look at this you know terrible thing that happened to me but i survived it and you know they're like a, a badge of honor on their skin but i uh, you know i have less i have less of those badges of honor
0: well, um, that's that's what i'm trying to get to and, and i don't mean it like it's a competition like my wounds are worse longer better worse you know whatever you, that's not what i'm trying to say my point is, is that you, and I think maybe you even uh, intimated this earlier, is that you had less chances for bullying, but bullying still happened. Yep. So, and again, I'm using the word shelters, like literally in terms of like you were sheltered from having to the horribleness of the public bus the public school bus that is because I mean just you know when you get a bully on board um, people fall in line there's two camps of kids and and you know TV does a pretty accurate uh, representation of what happens on a school bus is that there's two lines of kids there's the kids that fall in line with the bully uh and and back the bully up because quite frankly it's safer on that side you're not going to become the victim of that as quickly as you would if you were on the opposition and then there's the kids on the other side who are bullied and and those um those that try to be invisible Uh, and then rarely do you see one that tries to stand up which i feel like we need more of but In today's day and age, you can't stand up to the bully um, because then you're expelled for whatever reason yourself. Um, I don't know. It's a weird, weird, weird world. Um, One experience and the reason I'm focusing on the school bus so much and is, again, I'm not trying to belittle, and I want to go back to, like, little Claire's existence in homeschool world in a moment. But my son, Max, one of the reasons we moved houses when he was in middle school is because he was riding the bus. And this kid, um, later on in their their, um, high school tenure together, they ended up becoming not friends, but friendly. But this kid was going through a rough time. And... Just decided to one day get up in the middle of the ride home, went up to Max, punched him cold face in the, in the, in the, just right, right in the face and sat back down. And the whole situation I felt like was, uh, handled poorly. Uh, Max came home, said that he was punched. Um, you know, Sherry went into mama bear mode, uh, which is a scary thing to see. Um, (laughs) She's little but mighty. So she called up the vice principal. um, And quite frankly, when Sherry's uh, mama bear mode doesn't work, you know, that works like 99% of the time. uh, But I can go from zero to 1,000 miles per hour very quickly. Didn't necessarily need to get there this time. uh, But we ended up in front of the, the high school vice principal, in charge and said there was nothing wrong. This kid got up and the bus moved and he fell in to to Max. Mm. And some of the testimony from the other kids in the school on that bus mirrored that. Well, this kid was threatening all of them. It turned out that this kid was threatening all of them, that he was going to beat the hell out of them if they said what really happened. So Sherry, because she's smarter than I and much more fierce, um, was like, where's the tape? And the vice principal was like, what? And she was like, does this school bus or not have a video recording uh, device on it? And this was just when they were starting to come out. So that was actually a crapshoot, a a long shot, so to speak. But he was like, yeah, it does. She's like, I want to see the tape right now. Well, we can't show you the tape. There's other kids on it. She's like, my kid's on it. Want to see the tape. He's like, I can't show you the tape. She wouldn't let it go. We didn't see the tape, but we got a call an hour later with an apology from the vice principal saying, yeah, the tape showed exactly what Max had happened. So Max, this was an important part for Max because we stuck up for him. He was being told, even his friends were were against him. He had nobody in his corner except for the two of us, the vice principal, everybody. intimidated by this one little kid they all believed him uh but the tape showed otherwise we ended up moving we're like we're not having max on a bus uh anymore so we actually moved um i also wanted a bigger house with two bathrooms we were four people sharing truth
1: comes out
0: (laughs) four 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 people with one one bathroom was a little harsh yeah but these things i don't know i i think we don't tend to listen to the victim. Uh, there's a lot of victim blaming that goes on. I think we've gotten better over the years as a society, but uh, there's a lot of victim shaming that still goes on.
1: Let's talk about school responses to bullying. I, I kind of, my heart kind of goes out to uh, school, I don't know, school officials, teachers. They... It seems like they have an impossible job because not only do they have to teach these children. Um, now they're they're. It seems like they're responsible to teach them all these subjects to pass these all these certain tests. They are also responsible for teaching them uh, morals because they're with them for the majority of the day. And now they're also responsible for policing them. And not only and in this modern day, not only are they responsible for policing them while they're on the property. But now they're also held responsible for cyberbullying um, happening on the internet, which is, you know, who who can who can really patrol what's going on on the internet? So I I find it, you know, um, this kind of tragic. It's, it's, school is sort of this this you've you've got this kind of everybody loses situation. Going on, um, what 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 you really need now is like a warden. These these children, they're they're like inmates, and you almost need to now have some sort of law enforcement hired um, as a part of these schools to police the, the goings on, uh, you know, eternally. And then you need some kind of judge and jury situation set up so that you can assess what's what's taking place, and all of these things detract from why they're there. Um, to, to learn topics
0: like uh, science and history. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's a thankless, never-ending job. I, and, and personally, this is my perception. I feel like that parents need to take a bigger role uh, in their own children. And we talked about, in your case, we had some responsible parents, and I really meant when I said. I really feel like that was, it was good. We've got a bunch of parents out there that don't care. They're not checking their kids' phones. They're not doing they're, they're afraid to be a parent and they want to just be friends. Uh, you know, I can't take away so-and-so's phone. She'll, she or he will be mad at me for months. Well, who gives a crap?
1: If I only saw my child for, um, for four-ish, five-ish hours in the evening, I would be the same way. I would want those hours to be full, you know, peace-filled. I would want us all to be on good terms and loving, hugging, and kissing each other. And I would do anything to make that happen. I, I wouldn't want to be spend those four hours being the disciplinarian, uh, which is my job. As the person who created these these humans, I believe that it is fully my job. I share it with Andrew. Um, but if, if these kids you know, turn out like crap, that's going to be on me. So, that's part of the reason why I'm going to be choosing to homeschool my children because, um if it's my responsibility for them turning out like crap, then I need to make sure I do everything within my power to shape them into responsible adults. Um, that's neither here nor there, but um well,
0: it, it is I mean, you're going to. Uh, Like I I know because I witnessed this discussion a little bit from the sidelines when you and Andrew were talking about this and staying home. I I don't want to, that's a, that's a whole nother discussion. I'd love to talk to somebody about maybe you, maybe somebody else if they're listening, but staying home is an incredibly hard decision. I talked about this the other day um, with uh, Jillian. She's a certified divorce financial analyst. And I told her a story about Sherry and I when we first um, got married and we started talking about having a family, is that whoever, we both agreed that staying home was important. Like the kids needed somebody home all the time. So whoever made the most money was going to have to be the one to work. Whether it was her or me, didn't really matter to us. We just wanted somebody home. Um, But that's a difficult decision because that's a total life adjustment that I don't think people realize the sacrifice that that is. I mean, I respect that immensely from you and from any other man, woman, or gender X. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be exclusionary. But if you decide to stay home with your child, that's a huge sacrifice. It's, It's time, which I believe, and I'm putting that one first, because that's your most valuable thing that you possess is time. Um, it's the only thing that you that just can't be replaced. Money can be replaced. Things can be replaced. People can't be replaced, but time that's your most valuable asset. Be careful how you spend it. I, you, you may have heard me say that in one of my fortune cookie wisdom manager meetings, but, um, I respect that. It's a, it's a tough choice. And the reasons you're doing it are good. You want to turn out awesome little human beings. I have no doubt that you and Andrew will have that. So I had a point it was bigger than just me being like a Claire cheerleader for making that decision. <laughs> but, uh, that's where I lost my train of thought, but that's a tough decision and oh, I know. I feel and this is my perception is that I would like to be part of a society where more people can stay home with their children. And I don't want to get into gender politics. I am not saying it has to be a woman. I want to go on the record by saying it can be the father, can stay home, and you know what? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if you think that there is, not you, Claire, but the bigger you listening, then you need to look in the mirror and check yourself why that's a problem. But.
1: I'm gonna stir the pot a little bit here. Stir it up. Okay so going back to the impossible situation that schools find them in themselves in and policing these lovely little darlings um i was i was i have this kind of um i have this idea that probably all of your listeners are going to hate um but i just want i just want to throw it out there
0: throw that spaghetti One, in the wall. yeah
1: so right now we uh, the the government provides uh, free public schooling it's not free we pay property taxes and they're in new york state quite large property taxes and then we get this kind of one size fits all um and we stuff all of our little darlings into this one size fits all scenario or if you are blessed with plenty of money, you can send your little darling to a private school. Um, So uh, how to, how would you get school to be more of, you had to sell your home and leave a school district in order to resolve the issue with max. So.
0: Well, we stayed in the school district. We just moved. Oh, We just moved so he could be on a different bus.
1: Um, oh, a different bus. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. But what if, what if instead of the government funneling money into school, um, they dropped all these property taxes for school? We got rid of public schooling altogether. We let the free market take over schooling. Uh, we can still have standardized tests that people are required to take. So there can be some quality control, but uh, people are, now the free market is, is taking it over. There are going to be expensive schools. There are going to be less expensive schools and there's going to be absolute crap garbage schools that are cheap. And there's going to be, yes, segregation, so on and so forth, but there, you know, there can, there, there probably would, in time, be some incentive for high perform, high performing students, um, to get into other schools. There could be. Um, what was I going to say? There, it would also be really cool if there was some sort of tax incentive for homeschooling, because that, you know you're you're saving the environment you're not driving anywhere all these kids are home you know they're just they're doing their homework there you could there could be then a market for tutors um the possibly the tax break that you would get could pay a tutor to come into your home hey look we've created jobs um so that th- now you have a way for children to be uh, amongst friends or possibly at home, if, if that was desired. Um, you know, right now we have the system that we have, they don't have a way to respond to bullying at all. And I think it's unfair to expect um, school officials to be policing the internet. You know, we've, we've gotten to that point. So, in order to, there's no way to put a band aid on the system that we have. In order to actually fix it you have to try something different like ryan was talking about version
0: Mm 2.0 no no that's that's an interesting thought and i just want to backtrack for a second before and i will i like what you're saying but i do want to say that my encouragement for you and other stay-at-homers wasn't a detriment against people who are two income families do you do you we'll do what we did for a reason but I've recently seen a bunch. The reason it's so passionate for me is I've seen a bunch of anti-stay-at-home BS. So I just, Mm. I don't know. Maybe I was a little bit more sensitive to that, but it doesn't mean that I think that working parents are the scourge of the world and the cause of all problems. What my point was is that kids just want love and attention. Maybe it'll be a better place if we actually had time to give that to them. And if we had the opportunities like our great grandparents or our grandparents, did, depending on how old the listener is, like of being able to afford college and stay at home and everything with one income. That was a good time. Um, but I agree with you on School 2.0. And for a couple of reasons is that I feel like we're missing, we look at poor school districts. And this is this is, I think I don't know, was I talking to Vera about this, but it was really more of like a maybe it was Ryan, I don't know. But oh, maybe it was Ryan about how there are kids that can come from a lower income area, regardless of race, religion, whatever. It's a low income area. They got they typically have poor schools, but that doesn't mean we're there there's not geniuses there. So in your system, what I like is that. And I think they kind of do this in Europe, is that when you hit a certain age, you have to test. And you either test and you can go to college or you have to go into a trade. So if we do school 2.0, we can get all of the brilliant kids that are being not given that opportunity. And you put them in the higher functioning school. You know, maybe you have several schools that are, you know, geared towards certain um, skill levels or intelligence levels and then imagine the mix of races and religions and everything in those schools because you're just being that'll never work because little fill in the blank with name is obviously more intelligent and deserves to go to x school because we're not going to please everybody all the time but i do like your idea of trying something new and i think we didn't we start that with charter schools in new york but those aren't doing well
1: I don't really know anything about what we're doing in New York.
0: Hmm. I, I don't can't know say of we. any new.
1: I don't know of any charter schools in my area.
0: Yeah, I can't say we because I'm a Texan, so. I know. I I'm know. not a not a New Yorker anymore, and um, I will say the increase, or I should say, it's actually the decrease in taxes has been a positive, um, very Good positive. for you, man. It, it It's good been a very for you. good time. you escaped. You got out. I did. I've gotten out several times. Um, I think this one will stick. So we'll see. But going back to the sheltered conversation, so little claire is is you know i can't, I can't uh, I can't think of a different word, and I don't mean it in the negative term that you've heard, but you my term again to to clarify. By calling Claire sheltered is just because she wasn't exposed to certain negative things the rest of us that went to public school were. But I mean, I've seen my nieces and nephews go through homeschool and and their little uh, group, and I say little not because I'm being again demeaning, I'm just saying it's a smaller group than us public school kids, um, on their field trips and things and and but I can't I can't imagine that group of kids uh, having any sort of bullying in there, um, but I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I mean, you grew up in that environment. Is there still like a hierarchy that's established? Is there there always a lead dog in, in every group and kids have to fall in line? I know that that's not necessarily bullying, but I am trying to understand.
1: In in what kind of, are you talking about like homeschooling groups?
0: Yeah, in your group growing up.
1: Let's see. So I was part of a few micro groups. I would say I worked at a a stable, so I was part of the Barnbrett micro group. I went to a church, so there was a micro group there. Um, And then obviously work micro groups. Um, There... Yes, there was always there's always this little these little clicks that form. I I'm thinking right now I have two little toddlers and bullying is kind of more near and dear to my heart watching now that I have children, uh I, I can't I can't explain it, but when it's happening to you you're just like, yeah, okay. But if you see your own child, uh, not being loved with the veracity that you love them, it's really, it's really hard. I, 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 I know that it's going to be even more of a struggle as they get older. Right now they're just like, they're not even preschool age. But, um, I, I watch children and their peers, um, form themselves into little groups. Usually they always, the the children are always trying to maybe reach for a child, a ringleader, that's just above their station. And at this time, their station is very simplistic. It's whatever child is a little bit older, a little bit more insightful and worldly wise. And um, so And my child is is the same way. He reaches, wants to be loved by this group of children that is just just outside of his reach. They're just a little bit sharper than him. They play games a little bit more nuanced than what he plays. And um, there are times when he's able to bust into that group when there's a certain dynamic and he's able to play and, and he loves it. And then I see other times where they don't want to play with him you know he's he's the baby and it breaks his heart because he's such a um such a people person he he really he really values people and being around them and i for my personality um if people didn't want to play with me i was just like yeah okay but for this child of mine you know he he really wants to be included so this this phenomenon of him not being included is heart wrenching for him and as a parent you're you can't you can't ever force you can't ever get another child to like your child no amount of glaring at them is going to improve your child's station in their minds so yeah i i would say it to answer your question that outside of school there's plenty opportunities for children to uh, arrange themselves in little social dynamics.
0: That's uh, kind of what I thought. It just happens um, that we arrange ourselves and then how um, my next question would be is I could see how quickly that one would could perceive that that turns into a bullying situation like these kids don't want to play with the baby. Um, and over and over, no, you know, that can be harsh, but it's not necessarily. I don't know if I would it's call it. Wrong. It's not it's, wrong. It's, it's their prerogative
1: not it, to play with him.
0: It if is. And living, they're I
1: probably will not want to play with him either.
0: And they're, they're not being abusive about it, but I can see how, you know, um, Perceptions are an interesting thing. Uh, I could see how one person would look at that and, and perceive some bullying. Like everybody needs to be inclusive. That's bullying. They're segregating that poor child. And other people might look at it like you in a more uh, in a different light and say, well, you know, they're just a little bit older. They're doing things a little bit more complicated. And um, you know, that's just something that he's going to have to learn to deal with. So it's it's a good that's a good perception issue you're seeing it from one side I could see how somebody might see it from something else and the other thing i think i wanted to touch on today which i think we covered but we didn't actually state is that these bullying events especially when they happen at young ages like we talked about stick with us throughout the entirety of our lives And I'm quite sure that my, using my own personal lens, that my instances that I can name specifically are much more detailed than the person who was the bully who probably doesn't even know that I exist or even care or remember. But if we talked about it, I'm sure they'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that. Um, But I'm sure they're not thinking about it now. and it's not to say that I'm dwelling. I'm just, you know, we're talking about bullying. So a few issues came up and I was like, oh, yeah, thinking about that. I can see how that's impacted my relationships and trust even today. Is that the same with you?
1: I would, I have to admit that I don't, I don't think it's the same with me. I, I can't point to um, any instance of bullying that did anything but um, I inf- enforce my own perception of myself as being pretty bomb diggity if, <laughs> if i may say so myself but um i the yes because you know the the level and the the vitriol with which i was attacked is not was not anything close to what you would have experienced. My primary shaping was done in a loving environment, you know, done by my mom with my siblings who could be pains in the butt sometimes, but they never hated me. Um, the at, at school, it's it's a lot to ask a, a little child to love someone just because if there there are different types of children and different types of people even as adults there's people that you consider lovable and people who are much much harder to love as an adult now i i do struggle with um giving love to people that i've deemed are unlovable it's it's a constant it's a constant struggle and so to look at children, you know, nursery-age children, and and ask them, you know, just love them just because, you know, God is love. This is why you should love other people because they're his creation. He created them in his image. So love them. That's a little – it's a tough pill for a child to swallow right away. Um, so, at So then you see children being – cruel to one another, you see adults being cruel to one another, let's not forget about that, but children especially don't have these same tools in their arsenal, and again, I'm not a child psychologist, maybe you can interview one of those, but from what I've observed, they're not capable, they don't have the self-control yet to uh, love people that they don't feel like they love.
0: No, that, that's a good point. And, and I think there's a difference between what you're talking about and actual bullying. So, what you're talking about, I think, are an instance by instance basis. And as growing up, if somebody would have just been like, look, dude, I don't want to deal with you, that's much different than literally going down a barrage of being um, fat with homophobic slurs and then actually having fists followed up. That's the, I think, different, different level.
1: Oh, so I'm, I'm, t- if I, I'm talking about it from the bully's perspective, they didn't love you. Am I, would you say that that's true?
0: Oh, no, that, that's absolutely true. But I'm, I'm saying that if, if we separate it and just say like that, cause there were plenty of people, I, I graduated with a ton of people. Um, like, I mean, a lot, several hundred. So, I mean, there was a lot of people that I would say were ambivalent. They didn't care that I existed. I didn't care they existed, they, we, but we coexisted. Then there's the people, the small subset of people that not only me, but other people, and you could see it like it went in other groups because uh, we were in such a large school. There was always somebody to bully and there was always a bully to do the bullying. Um, that I think it takes effort to be a bully. I think it takes much less effort to just be like, uh, dude, just no. Versus like going out of your way to be systemic about it, and then knowing that you've hit a nerve, and then finding that nerve, and then exposing it over and over.
1: True, but it was probably it gave them a sort of pleasure, and it was probably quite therapeutic for them to be cruel to you.
0: Oh, I'm not <laughs> disagreeing with that. I'm 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 just. Yeah. No. Again. So it was work, but
1: it was, uh, you know, it was it was the fun work, not the, not the tedious work of doing fractions on a
0: sheet of paper. Well, then I'm glad I helped uh, <laughs> people, several people in life that he, I helped.
1: It was it was an opportunity, Dave. You got to yeah. look at it from your your other friend's perspective. You know, it was an opportunity for you and them, them to have fun and for you to. I don't know. Did you ever lose, did you ever lose any weight?
0: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there you go. I mean, that was not a result of that. It was just getting involved in sports and whatever. Um, But that's weight loss. We'll be coming up. I'm going to be talking to my friend Al um, about his weight loss journey and we'll discuss more weight loss type stuff and the perceptions we have of our own personal bodies, and then theirs of the, that other people might have of us and our perceptions of their perceptions, which is an important thing when you're talking about weight in an upcoming episode. Nice. Uh, so that, that's something for people to look forward to, but I, I, we've gone on and, and several things have happened today. Uh, we've had several different mini conversations, which is different than I think normal, um, where I try to stick to a topic, but, as always, with you, and this is what happened in your interview, like you say things that just make me want to go down other roads because you're very thoughtful about it, and we have good conversations. So we covered a bunch of different topics we try I tried to stick to bullying, maybe I did a good job. i my perceptions I didn't do that good of a job of sticking to bullying, but we talked about a lot of things that kind of roll up into a lot of current topics. Uh, so I appreciate your time talking with me today. I know it's busy for you, um, having two tiny children in your care, um, three yes, county well. Andrew, your husband, <laughs> but um, I, I kid, I kid. I, I just want to kid. Everybody should know that, that I do love the Salmon family, um, some of my favorite four people. Um, I should be careful because some of Andrew's coworkers might be listening.
1: Yes, they might be. But
0: he doesn't work for me. Let's cut this
1: out right now
0: before we're ahead. He he, he doesn't work for me, so it's fine. That's Um, true. But thanks, Claire. I appreciate your time. I know that you have to. It was hard for you to cut out the hour and however long we went over. um, But I appreciate it. And thank Andrew for covering because I know that he's uh, working this weekend. um, But I do appreciate it.
1: I will. Thanks for doing this podcast.
0: Well, thanks, Claire. Well, I'm sure that I will think of something or you might think of something. You're like, oh, I want to talk about this next. You know where to reach me. Cool. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.